0: My message is on divorce proof marriage. Prove your marriage to be divorce proof. Work on your marriage. Prove it. And actually it'd probably be a pretty lousy message if God didn't show up and help me with this. I found out in studying it, man, I need I'm sitting, I need to be sitting right here. Right here, learning from it, you know. So I'm just going to share with you what I've learned. Um, This little country church had a guest preacher one Sunday, and he got done preaching, and he went to the back to just shake hands with other people as they came out. And Fred came by and said, Man, that was the worst message I've ever heard. And went on, and another gentleman come along and said, "Uh, Preacher, that was good. And the preacher said, well, this one guy came along and said it was the worst message he ever heard. And a gentleman says, oh, that's Fred. Don't worry about Fred. All he does is repeat what he hears everyone else say. (laughs) So... Um, okay, this is a comparison of Christ and His bride, the Church, and the Christian and His bride, His wife, it would be in Ephesians chapter five, if you want to go there, verses twenty-two through thirty-three. Really quick, I googled some things about divorce, like what's the percentage of all marriages that end in divorce? And it said 50%. So I said, well, what's the percentage of Christian marriages that end in divorce? And it said 20 to 25%. And I'm thinking, oh, so one in five or one in four Christian marriage ends in divorce. And I'm thinking, well, statistics aren't right. Statistics don't use true facts. True facts can make the statistics if they would compile them right. But the thing that happens is, like, say, in a survey, they ask someone, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, I would have said that being a a good person, you know, growing up in a Christian family. But I I wasn't really a Christian. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I hadn't received Him as my Savior yet. So I'm thinking, no, 20 to 25% of Christian marriages, men and women that walk with the Lord as we're supposed to, does not end in divorce. Otherwise, I'd say, well jesus his he and his bride, the church, they aren't ever going to get divorced. I don't think, so we have a perfect example, and i don't I don't think divorce in true born again Christians walking with the Lord need, needs to be anything like that so then I asked well what's the Main reasons for divorce, lack of love, fell out of love, which don't make no sense. You can only fall downhill. So if you fall in love, how do you fall back out of love? You have to work at it, I guess, to fall out of love, which people do work at that. (laughs) Lack of intimacy, sense of closeness, intimacy is closeness. Communication problems. Lack of sympathy, trust, and respect. Growing apart because of different interests and activities. Growing apart, yeah. I remember a while back on the Life Fellowship, Life Fellowship Chat, Martha said about her uncle that passed. They were married 73 years and did everything together. And I was thinking, well, hey, there's part of the secret right there when you do things together, you know. So we're going to go to Ephesians five, twenty-two, and start reading there. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. In 22, the wife is to submit to the husband. Why? Why is that? What is the reason? 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Well, it's because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. This is a comparison. We, the church, are subject to Christ, okay? We are subject to Christ because he loved us. He loved us so and died to save us. That's why. That's why we're subject to him. We are members of his body, of his flesh and bones. We are one with him. This is a marriage. Two become one. So we are one with Christ in the church. Two become, become one. Genesis, Genesis 2.24 speaks that of marriage. First man and woman that God brought together. They shall be one flesh. That would be one body in picture. That's what it looks like. Man, look, it follows that you are the savior of your marriage as Christ is the savior of the church. And this is a key point. The man, the husband, can save the marriage. That's what I read here. He's a savior because it says here in in this verse right here, verse 23. Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. It says the husband is the head of the wife. So I got to thinking about this and I, the key point is the husband keeps the marriage. The wife keeps the home. The husband keeps the marriage, the wife keeps the home. That's, keep her at home is Titus 2.5 speaking about the godly woman. And I saw this over and over and over and over again. How well my wife keeps the home, better than, better than I ever could. I was gone eight to 10 hours a day for work for years. I was away from the home. I had a wonderful place to come home to. She was a keeper, and I kept her. Does that mean that the man is disconnected from the home? No. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Is Christ disconnected from his church? Uh Uh-uh. No. He's not personally right here right now, but he's not disconnected. Absolutely not. Hubby, when you come in the door... Be a loving, concerned, ministering, servant, leader. Verse 23, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Regardless of the day you had at work, which could have been just terrible, you're coming home to the keeper of your home. You're coming home to your place of rest. You're coming home. So, where does this marriage thing come from? From God, from the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Okay. and the Lord God said it is not good that the man should be alone I will make him and help me for him God looked at man and said it is not good that man should be alone it is true it must be true God said it it was true in my life. How about yours? You really want to be alone your whole life? Bro, is that what you want? No. But I need to help me. I need to help me. Okay, Mike, God's got this. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found an helpmate for him. All right, got the picture? Here's the man. Here's all the rest of creation. Looking around, he doesn't see a helpmate. Here's the way Doug sees it. And I read this in three different Bibles. It always came out the same. Of course, all three Bibles are K- KJVs, so yeah, imagine looking <laughs> at the same. So God formed every beast and every fowl and brought them to Adam to name them and look for and help me for him. Adam, how about this beast? Lord, I will call it a cow, and it will help me by giving me milk to drink and pulling the plow. Adam, how about this beast? Lord, I will call this a horse. It can help me by getting me around, giving me a ride, taking me places. Adam, how about this fowl? Lord, I will call this a goose. It can help by giving me soft down to stuff my pillow, to lay my head on and rest. So every living creature was brought to Adam, and he could see where each one could help, but he didn't find a help that was his equal that he could really get excited about. Verse 20 tells us that there was not found in help meet for him. And back in verse 18, That verse tells us that God said he would make and help me for him. Okay, God is about to come good on his statement. Like I said, God's got this, okay? God is going to custom build and help me for man out of man himself. That's what he's going to do. Genesis 2, 21 through 23. Here's what happens. God puts Adam under a deep sleep and performs a surgery and takes a rib out of Adam's side and builds a woman and brings her to Adam. He was most excited. I got to thinking, too, while Adam was in there looking, or Adam was in there, God was in there looking in Adam's side, you know, there's a lot of ribs there, I, you know. I wonder how, many, wonder how many women Adam needs. Well, God just took one rib out. Man only needed one woman. So he was excited when the woman was presented to him. He called her woman and he found and helped me for him. He found that he didn't have to be lonely and he had a partner in everything that life brought his way. Christian man, God has the Christian help me for you too. You may say, what if I was not brought up godly? Now what about and help me for me? There, there's the importance of the gospel and seeing fruit. You can be born again. You can be a new man, a new creature in Christ, and grow in Christ, and be discipled and trained up to walk in the ways of the Lord so that you are prepared to be a godly husband or wife. We all need counseling. We all need counseling. We all need training in the things of God. Jesus is our counselor. We are part of his body the church, and we have the book of his counsel too. Part of our obligation as a godly parent is to train up our children in the way they should go when we let them go. If we train up our sons to walk with God, and we train up our daughters to walk with God, at some point the man will be given the woman that God made for him. Adam was given the woman that God made for him. Christian, God will do the same for you. And in this room, he's done that. I'm sure you agree. Adam realizes that his woman is a part of him. We as Christians are also part of the body of Christ, which is the church. Just as we are to stay close to Christ, the husband and wife should stay close together also. They should cleave to each other as one flesh. This is marriage, the joining together. Divorce is the pulling apart. Marriage is coming together, is joining. Divorce is separating. Now, God ordains marriage. Genesis two twenty four. Therefore shall a man leave his father... And mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. While we're here in Genesis, at the beginning of a perfect marriage, let's just see what God's instructions are and in what happened to that perfect marriage. Genesis 3.6. Genesis 3.6 sin enters in. In that verse you find she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. The woman died right then and there. According to the word of God, because 2:17 says, "For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die." So, she ate of it. She died. The man's helpmate died. Adam's wife died. Her life in Christ left her. She was separated from God's life. Her body still had a heartbeat, but her living soul now had a dead worldly spirit. The verse verse says, She took of the fruit thereof, Comma and did eat, comma, and gave also unto her husband with her, semicolon, and he did eat, and he did eat. If punctuation means anything, there wasn't much time pause from when she took the fruit and ate ate thereof, and gave also unto her husband. But if a semicolon means a longer period of time than a comma. The husband was standing there with a decision to make. He his wife standing by him just died. So he had to decide. Do I die also? And not have my help me anymore. And he did eat. He died also. The woman, she ate some yummy fruit and shared it with her husband by her side, which a good wife is supposed to do. You know, share what you have, feed your husband, whatever. Here, babe, this is good. She didn't know she was feeding him poison. In my Bible, Adam has a space of a semicolon to decide what to do. Remember God told Adam, you eat of that tree, you die in that day. I am sure he remembers that. He probably paused for a minute and thought of that. 1 Timothy 2.14 says, his wife was deceived. Adam was not. He made his decision right then and there. I cannot live without my woman. He ate the fruit. He died because of his love for her. What a love story, my friends. Jesus died because of his love for us, his church, his bride. Man, you don't have the proper love for your wife until you're willing to die for her. And let me say this, it doesn't need to be as final as her attending your funeral. It may be that you can just die to self and share your life with her a little more. This is important. She's a keeper. Keep her. You know, I don't really just love my wife, I also like her. I do. I like being with her and spending time together. I've been with her 45 years, and it seems like it went too quick. I don't know what I would do without her. We went canoeing when our kids was little. Our youngest was three. He was in the canoe with us and a friend of ours with a kid about the same age was in a canoe with us. And, you know, there was two families. So we was in about three or four canoes. And it was all calm and going well. And we come to this one turn in the river where it was backed up. There was a tree across the river and the water got really forceful and really fast and it had a down surge under the tree and when we come around that corner I flip <laughs> the canoe went right over and I'm swimming around under there and it's all murky I can't see it. and it's in my mind my wife my wife she can't swim where is she and I'm looking around I don't see her and the water's rushing through there and, and I'm, I looked I got up on top and looked and I saw her and I I was relieved, and she said, the kids, the kids. And I'm I looking, there, are bouncing around on the water. They had life jackets on, you know. But I looked at her, and she was up against a canoe, which was up against a tree. And the force of the water going down under the tree had the canoe spinning that she was trying to hold on to. And I thought, man, i got to save her. i got to get over there. I can't lose her right here on a, on a fun trip. It wouldn't be no fun after that. So, <laughs> so I hurried and got over there and, and grabbed over top of the canoe and s- squeezed it against a tree to keep it from rolling. Helped her up there. Get the kids, get the kids. Yeah, okay, they're bouncing around here. I'll get the kids. So I tossed them up there. But... Man, for a minute there, I was thinking, whoa, how quickly, how quickly can you lose a loved one? Really? I mean, we're sustained by God's prayers side decided, side you know. We aren't promised another day. So concerning marriage, where are we now? Now that we have disobeyed God... What does God say to the man and woman now? Well, you know, after disobedience comes discipline, right? After disobedience comes discipline. In Genesis 3.16, we can read about the woman's discipline from God. It is going to be painful to have children, and your desire is going to be to your own husband. Now... Let me say something right here, man. God just told the woman, it's going to be tough. Your desire is going to be to your husband. So, bro, man, if God told your wife, your helpmate, the special person God gave you to love, if God instructed her to desire you, doesn't it follow? Doesn't it just follow that you should try to be desirable? <laughs> yeah? I think so. I think we should be desirable. God told our wife to desire us. Let's, I mean, as, Christ, as Christ-like husbands, shouldn't we work at that? Shouldn't we de- be desirable husbands? I'd hate to think my wife... As it got close to me, time for me to go home to work, would be thinking, oh no, he's coming home. You know, no, uh uh-uh. uh. How did God discipline the man? He cursed the ground and made it hard work for the man to plant and grow crops and harvest them to have food for his family. God covers their nakedness. 321. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So God covered their nakedness. They were ashamed of their nakedness because they had sinned. Remember when God first brought them together before they had sinned, how they were both naked and were not ashamed. Nakedness is shameful now because of sin. It reveals sin, except in God's special, specific plan and place. In the institution of marriage, nakedness is fine. God says in Genesis 1.28 to the man and woman that he gave him, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. They had God's approval to get naked and have sex. This is the only place that God wants that activity to happen. We read in Hebrews thirteen four, marriage is honorable in all, and a bed undefiled. But whoremongers, fornicators, this type of people, sex outside of marriage, and adulterers. Wrong sex inside of marriage with wrong people, God will judge. We live in a fallen world of whoremongers and adulterers. Kenny gave some statistics to prove that last week in our handouts. The huge increase in sexually transmitted infections, that's diseases, you know, nowadays they kind of lighten up on bad things. So sexually transmitted. Infections, diseases is a place. It's a price we pay for that as a, soci- as a society. That's what we pay for transgression in the sexual department, sexual activity outside of God's will. It is important that we live a godly, pure life and teach our children the same. Look, nakedness and sex is not for the unmarried. It is not approved for your unmarried high school son, your unmarried high school daughter, your unmarried college students, actors, actresses on TV or in movies, a man or woman out of town on a business trip overnight. It is not for hire, not for entertainment. It is absolutely God-given for you, One man married to one woman, enjoy it, husband and wife. I hope I am as clear on that as God is with me in his word. You might ask, how can you be sure Adam and Eve were married and not just shacking up in paradise? I actually thought of that. <laughs> the, conversa- the conversation that Jesus had with his Pharisees in Matthew 193 through9 will leave no doubt in your mind that they were married. Indeed, he refers to the beginning of marriage, right here where we read, in, in Genesis 2:24. He mentions the man and his wife being one flesh. He mentions that divorce was not a possibility from the beginning. It came about when the children of Israel hardened their hearts against the things of God. I would just like to say at this point that divorce can be avoided if both persons Would soften their hearts and work together to solve the problem that caused division. You know, being close, you might see problems start to creep up when they're small. That's when they need to be talked about. That's when you need to look at it. Let's go back and look at the template for perfect marriage, Ephesians 5. 23 through 29. Okay. In 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved a church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, die to self. Give of yourself for your wife. Give up some of your sports and hobby time to spend time with your wife. There's even a chance that she might want to join you in some of your interests. Have a time around the word of God when you can share with each other what god has taught you each one of you sharing what god is what god has taught you that is a cleansing process the word of god washing you on the inside that's biblical the word of god washes you it cleanses you it cleanses you you don't want spots or wrinkles you don't want to get old <laughs> That's not what this is about. If that was it, we would all have to die young and go to heaven. No, we just mentioned the cleansing process of the word of God from the inside out. We don't want flawed thinking and faulty doctrine teaching to enter in and cause a separation in our relationship. Keep the creeps out that can destroy God wants his church to be holy and without glaring faults. As husbands, we should protect our wives in the same way in love. Remember, Jesus is presenting to himself a glorious bride. Verse 27, the husband is to look at his bride, his wife, as a glorious bride. Bro, the woman you married is your glorious wife. Keep her that way. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church. Die to self and make her glorious. Glorious, that means splendid. That means gorgeous. That means honorable. 1 Corinthians eleven seven says, The woman is your glory. That means you don't look so good without her, man. <laughs> got a good woman? She is your crown. Proverbs twelve, four. You've got a crown. Let's go on. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. So up men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and, tr- and cherisheth it even as the Lord of church. Okay. We have a picture of the workout gym here. Men loving their own body and nourishing and cherishing it. Have you seen all the mirrors at the gym? There is a whole wall of glass for admiring your body. I personally work out down at the other end. I haven't got anything that's going to bulge and impress anyone, okay? So I'm, I'm down at the other end. I wonder how many... I wonder how many there love and nourish their wives as much as they love and nourish themselves. Hey, help your wife to be nourished, both physically fit and spiritually fit. We are taught in the Bible that the married man and woman are one in flesh and bones, that two come together as one. As Christians, We are of one spirit also because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. As you unfold this mystery, you see that Christ in the church is similar in many ways to a godly man and his wife. Through this study, three words have been on my mind throughout. They keep popping up. One is connection. Christ has a strong, enduring connection to his bride. A married man needs to have a strong, enduring connection to his bride. Connection. Next one, communication, which is a category of, this, of his connection. How connected are you if you don't communicate? Really. As Christ is always ready to speak loving and listen intently, the man of God should do the same with his wife. Man, how well do you listen? That might make a difference. Commitment. Jesus is so committed to be with us and us with him, he died for us. A man should be so committed also to be with his wife. Married man, you've made a vow taken an oath, be committed to it. Man, keep your marriage, bro, keep your bride. She is a keeper. I wrote a little conclusion here I wanna read. Everyone needs counseling. Everyone needs counseling because everyone has problems. We are all touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We all walk the same earth. In one way or another, we deal with the relationships with people. These relationships can take us everywhere from love to hate to counseling to the courtroom. A lot of times our solution is To to the problem is to detach from it, get away from it, divorce it. That is what divorce means. It means to separate. That is not a solution. It is a resolution. You resolve not to come together to solve the problem, but separate and try to dissolve the problem and try to make it go away. That is usually not a good outcome. That's usually not a good outcome. It is difficult and painful, and it doesn't rely on the resources that God has for you to bring reconciliation and peace back into your relationship. Reconciliation is a solution. Reconciliation is a ministry that God gives His people to solve problems that cause separation. You want a solution, not a resolution. You want to solve the problem in reconciliation. The biggest problem ever was when man walked away from God. This big problem is called sin. God had a solution in, a solution for it. It is called reconciliation. If God is able to solve that great big giant enormous problem, surely he can help us solve our problems. Maybe we should heed his counsel. You won't find a better more loving Counselor. His name is Counselor, capital C. That's his name. Do you know him? His name is Jesus, Savior. Lord Jesus. Is he your Savior? Don't stop there. Is he your Lord? Do you heed his counsel? I'm going to pray. If husband and wives are sitting together, maybe you ought to hold hands, you know, connect while I pray. Father in heaven, I am so thankful you gave the man a help me. And Lord, We should keep her. We should cherish her. Lord, help us to be the husbands that we should be. Help us to, together, husband and wife, open up your word and solve problems. Help us to live godly, Lord. You love us so much. We should love our wife and the wife, the husband. Thank you for that communion, that connection, that commitment, Lord, help us to live that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.